In episode 31 of MobyCast, we dive into part two of our series on application logging. In particular, we discuss best practices, as well as how to forward logs from your containers to other services. Welcome to MobyCast, a weekly conversation about containerization, Docker, and modern software deployment. Let's jump right in. All right, welcome, Chris, Rich, another episode of MobyCast. Hey. How are you, Rich? Doing good. How are you? I'm good. What have you been up to this week? Let's see. So this week, um, we just surpassed another record-breaking month um, for revenue at Secret Stash. That's really, really exciting and, and sort of a pattern that we've seen all year. So, um, you know, the downside to that is it's uh, exposed a bunch of inefficiencies that we're working through. And so this week has been mostly about writing out a lot of the lower level processes that we do so that hopefully I can hand those off to an executive assistant or a virtual assistant or something similar to that. Sounds good. Time to scale. We missed you last week, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to hear that episode. Rich, did you just say that you have an executive assistant? Not yet. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, <laughs> man, this dude is, you've made it. <laughs> no, but he was, my executive. I'm so jelly. <laughs> My executive assistant will probably be a virtual assistant somewhere in like the Philippines. Okay. So it's not going to be someone that's going to be hanging out in like my home office. Okay. It's not your dog then. <laughs> well, he might, well, he's my confidant and therapist. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I was fortunate enough to make a trip out to Vail recently um, and hanging out with John and got to get some, um, some mountain biking in, which was a, a very first ever for me. Um, I'm a roadie, so um, to actually get out on fat tires and, and uh, go down a mountain um, was, uh, was a new experience and fun. Um, so that was great. And then um, unfortunately picked up a bug somewhere along the way and uh, have been sick um, for, for the last week, but on the men. So I'm very happy for that. I'm glad to hear you're feeling better. I too went on a trip after you visited. I went to San Diego and did my usual thing out there that involves a little bit of surfing and a little bit of meeting people for Kelstas. So I had a good time there. So yeah, we're going to continue this week with talking about logging. Last week, we just talked sort of more generally at a high level, uh, what we should log and log levels and things like that. So this week we're going to kind of move forward and get, you know, we're, the ultimate direction we're going is we understand logging. We know what we need to log. We know what it's good for. And then what changes about how we do logging when we're doing it um, in ECS with Docker. So that's the direction we're, we're going and we'll, we'll push that way today. So um, I think we're going to start with best practices for log events. Uh, take it away, Chris. Yes, I thought this would be kind of interesting for us to talk about just because it's a it's an important part of the whole logging process. Like basically it's the the old axiom garbage in, garbage out, right? So your logs are only going to be as useful to you um as the the telemetry that you're actually injecting into the system. So some of this is experience, um, but there are, I think, like general rules that you can you can follow here. Um, we, I think we probably touched on this a bit in the last, um, the last portion of this, the logging in when you're, when you're running in the cloud, multiple concurrent services for, for scalability or, um, availability, um, you have multiple requests going on in the system. Logs are no longer sequential. 
Um, and you need other ways of kind of tying these things together. So a, kind of one of the big, big things here is that when you're logging events um, in your code, react accordingly, right? So don't log sequentially um, because they're really not, they're, they're absolutely not going to read sequentially unless you do something um, more sophisticated to thread these things together. Um, it's just not going to happen. So you really need to think of your logs as um, as much as possible um, to think of them as atomic units of information. Um, it can be pretty, pretty, pretty helpful. One of the things that um, that we've done um, that's worked really well for us is, in addition to the standard log levels that just about everyone uses, you know, the debug, info, warning, error. Um, what we've adopted um, as a pra- as a best practice is to have a custom error level. We call it request, um, and we basically emit one request level log event for every API call that we get into um, our, our backend microservices. And this ends up being really, really useful because now you can start doing things like how many requests a second um, is my is my microservice getting or how many, you know, for a particular um, API call, like how many how many requests is it getting or how long are, are these requests taking? Um, how many of these API calls are returning back user errors versus versus service errors or whatnot? It becomes easier to kind of like troubleshoot and debug and to look for what you need in your logs by by having kind of like those semantics of hey we're going to admit a log for every request call because that's usually what your what your users are doing right like someone will say like oh maybe I had a problem uploading an image right um, so it's like oh we know what which one of our API primitives endpoints handles that let's go search for the request level logs for that particular API event for that particular user. And we can now narrow it, narrow it down much, much quicker. And I've seen that I've seen, you know, of course you want to log all your requests. And I guess I've seen at other companies and, and, and other projects, um, people putting those request logs into the info log level. But, uh, but then that means you either can't put anything else in the info log level because you want to keep that just crisp and clean and only requests, or you end up with info log levels that are a little bit, a mishmash of too many things and you have to write scripts to go just look at your requests. Yeah, absolutely. And, and at the end of the day, like when we do this info level and request level actually end up being the same thing. There's just request ends up becoming an alias essentially for info. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it does, it, you, it, it allows you to separate it out. Right. Yeah. Um, and to do it. So you could do other things. You could still use info level, but then probably have like another metadata tag on that that says like, these are requests or something right, or right, sure. have a further filter. But I guess, again, maybe like just the important point here is like, think of your logs as like these atomic units of information that stand up. They, they need to be standalone on their own. Right. Because in, unless you do the work or have the tools that can thread a user request through multiple log events, um, unless you have that sophistication built into it, you're just going to be looking at a stream of events. So for them to be able to stand alone and have all the context you need to make sense of them is, is very, very useful. Um, What's occurring to me is that, you know, since our APIs are pretty much always stateless now, so should our log statements be. Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. 
Cool. So, and then was there anything else you wanted to say about what, you know, when, what to emit? So beyond logging every request and keeping those essentially stateless or standalone, anything else that is kind of typical that we do or is, or is the rest of it more, you know, left to your own tastes? Yeah, I would say, um, so, so obviously like unexpected errors that happen, um, in the code where it's like, Hey, just, like this was not expected and the code really doesn't handle all that well, right? Like definitely log that, log all the context you need around that. And that's going to probably go out at like an error level. And again, like whatever is in that log event, make sure that there's all the context there so that when someone looks at it, like as quickly as possible, they can narrow it down and know exactly what's going on. So again, kind of keeping with that stateless atomic concept of your, of your log event, uh, warning level, um, this is something like you would use it for like, Hey, the, the, the code has handled it. Um, maybe it was a, a, uh, a client error. So the, so the, the client call sent, sent a, sent a bad request or was, um, maybe it's a bug in the client or something like that. Um, but you know, when you receive that on the back end, maybe you want to admit that at, at a warning level. So it allows it to stand out from, the other events, um, but it's not, but you don't have to treat it as a critical or, or something that needs immediate attention. So you can go and then do something like, okay, show me all the warning events that happened in the last eight hours. And, and you can kind of periodically go do that. And you might see like, oh, you know what? We have a client out there that's that's got a bug in it because it's, it's sending like the wrong kind of post body or something like that, or it's malformed. So maybe it's um, just a bug and maybe we we wrote that client or maybe someone else did um, but just kind of being able to single out those things um, maybe- I think a good line for warning because I think I think warnings have a tendency to get a little overused and and then once they're overused they become they they no longer pass your filter of I should do something about this oh yeah it's full of warnings yeah they're fine you know that kind of attitude mm-hmm. um, so a, a really good question is, if I were to see this in, in the log, would I would I actually look at this and do something about it, or would I just know already for sure that the code is fine and I'm not going to do anything? If it's the latter, then don't put a warning log. I would think. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's it's the whole like, um, you know, you, you don't want to cry wolf, and you don't want right. to you don't you don't want to become immune like to your, to your log, log events, right? Cause then they, they absolutely, they, they lose their, their power. So if you're logging so much, um, or if you just kind of become numb to that stream, then it's, it's kind of worthless to you. Right. So right. definitely, you know, you want to, um, be very deep about how you think about your logging. Um, whenever you do lo- like, is there, is there the right context here? And also, is this the right thing to do? And is this at the right level? So like, these are really kind of 10,000 events that are really kind of worthless or missing like a very critical event that like only happens in production. And, you know, now it sets you back a couple days um, because you just didn't have the the context around that. So to, to really just kind of think these things through just from the aspect of, okay, what information do I or someone else need in order to take an action to fix this? And is it, and is it something that someone needs to know about or, you know, is it, is it not? So like kind of going along again with the, your logs are no longer meant for human eyes necessarily, or they don't read serially. Um, 
having events for like at the info level to say like entering this function or leaving this function, those have no place um, in, in log events anymore. So instead, you know, you can use your request level events to kind of trigger. Um, I mean, you have all the information there, you know, what's happening. Um, and if an error happened during that request event, then you have your, your info, um, your, your request level event, you'll have a, you should log your return status on that. So it's going to show it's, Hey, this was like a 500 error. And then you also have a corresponding probably error event, um, that goes along with that. Exactly. Hey, this is Rich. Please pardon this quick interruption. We recently passed an internal milestone of 10,000 listens, and I wanted to take a moment to thank you for the support. I was also hoping to encourage you to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review or a rating. Positive feedback and constructive criticism are both incredibly important to us. So give us an idea of how we're doing, and we'll promise to keep publishing new episodes every week. All right, let's dive back in. So kind of moving on from you know what and when to log... Um, let's talk about where to put the logs. Uh, yes. and, and I guess this is the first time we're going to start to enter into a little bit of, um, you know, things are different now because we're in containers. Yeah. So, um, you know, lots of options here. Um, so logging can be, you know, as simple as just, you're just sending to standard, standard out, um, standard air. Um, and either it's just going to the, terminal screen or you can redirect that um, to somewhere else. You can log directly to a file. Um, you know, or you can probably you can um you can log directly to a um via an API to an actual log service or daemon or 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 SaaS product or something like that, right? So there's multiple different options there. They all have um pluses and advantages. And when you are running your applications and containers, you you come into some some you know even more op, more options and, and nuances. So, um, you know we've we've talked about this many times before on, on various episodes of this podcast. Containers basically a hermetically sealed bubble, right? Um, unless you punch holes in it um, to share information with the host. So, if you're outputting your logs to standard out standard air, um, you know, there's some additional considerations for like, how do you actually get that information, um, out of that container and, and somewhere else, um, so that you can actually see the, the output and it's a, it's a typical use case. So there's, um, Docker actually has a, a logs, um, log driver plugins. And so you can tell basically Docker how you want your logs treated and, um, if if you are emitting to standard out standard error, you can tell Docker that's you want that stuff to be captured and um, output to a to a file, um, and it will do that for you. Um, and then there's ways to to access that um, using you can use the the logs command for Docker. So Docker Docker logs um, will show you the information that's being being captured there. You can also have plugins for things like. Um, if you're using like AWS, you can have CloudWatch, um, so you can you can send your logs to CloudWatch, and there's many other options. I think we could probably have a whole another episode just on all the pros and cons and how all this works. Um, so right. I don't want to I don't want to go into that um, too deeply, but maybe just talk a little bit about kind of what we've um, standardized. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly where I was going. I was going to say, okay, so there's lots of choices here. 
Some of them are probably bad. And what we do is maybe not the best uh, in the world, but it's probably something that works and something that um, is efficient. So what do we do? Right. So what what we end up doing is um, all of our application logs are going to a file, um, and that file is being shared with, being written to a, a, a known location on the host, um, and it's name spaced out per per service. So we have so we use volume mounts um, to create that bubble. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so to punch that hole in that in that hermetically sealed bubble, um, so that these log files actually get written out on the host, um, and then from there we can then collect. We we can do something else to get those log files collected and get into our our log service. Overall, that that works. Um, pretty pretty well for us um but there there are some some issues with that you have to think about things like disk space like what happens um you know especially if you have something that's very verbose with its logging and lots of requests and you know that could be something that that fills up your your file system so something to think about then you start getting into things like you know do I implement log rotation um you know how do I purge um files and there's various ways to, to do that. I think we've kind of reached a nice little um, uh, steady state where uh, we have a big enough um, uh, file system partition for these 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 all these log files to go to. Um, we've configured the log level for our apps to be at the info level when running in prod, and um, we end up recycling our our host machines frequently enough. Where about once a month, at least you were saying about 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 once a month. I mean, it's yeah. usually kind of a, a good thing to do. You know, by then there's usually like a updated AMI with you know software updates and security updates and whatnot. It just kind of makes sense, and it's so easy to to rotate these things out. So um, then it, it ends up being you know a pretty pretty nice easy solution for us. So it's like. And we don't have to add complexity of log rotation and coming up with another container or script to do that and where to deploy it and make sure it's running and doing its thing. We just make sure there's plenty of space and kill the machines once a month. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. I guess one other thing, uh, Here's this is going to be my question. You're going to talk about, okay, the logs go into the machine and then something else gets them off the machine or some service sends them from the machine to some other place where they can be kept more permanently. And I guess one of the things that came to my mind was, uh-oh, what if the machine just totally crashes? How, mu- how much logging do we lose? But go ahead and f- before you answer that, tell us how we get the logs off of the host. Yeah, so again, you know, many different options once you say so you've got these log files and all your services are running and, um, okay, how do you now analyze them? You certainly don't want to SSH into every one of these machines and bring it up and in VI or Talum or something like that. So well, especially because you're going to be killing the machine, the host once a month. So mm-hmm. then you yeah. would never have logs older than a month. Yeah, exactly. So um, there are various um, tools and services out there for aggregating your logs. Um, so many. I mean, there are li- literally so many services at DockerCon. There was probably at least ten vendors out of the hundred there that were <laughs> log log services companies. It's kind of crazy. Right. Um, yeah. It's like there's got to be an acronym for it, like yet another log <laughs> service, yet yeah, something. But um, so we use um, Sumo Logic. Um, it's been around for quite some time. This is like 
really the only thing that that they do is 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 logging and the analysis of it and all the the tools around that and features around that. Um, so it works really well for what it is that we need it to do. Um, so it's the, the, the task becomes then how do you get your log events that are in these files sitting on these, these, these host, these ECS host, um, over to Sumo logic, which is basically a SaaS service. Um, and there's many different ways to do that. The way that we do it is we end up, um, installing an agent, um, a collector agent on each one of our ECS hosts. Um, and what that does is basically it's just you tell it where, how to look for files, like where to look for them. So you give it basically a, a regex um, and, um, you know, a path. Um, and it will go and, and basically hook file system notification changes. So whenever there's um, new data being written to a file, um, it can then go and, and read that. Um, and then it then marshals that up and ships it over to the um, the Sumo Logic service, um, and so it's constantly doing this and it's running um, and whatnot. So there's latency ends up being um, you know definitely less than a minute um, for all that to happen. So from when an application from a from a service is emitting a log event, it's going to a file, it's being shared through that volume out, written on the host. The agent receives a file system change notification, reads the data, packages it up, makes its API call back to the Sumo Logic service to get it there. And so that's just constantly running. So, so what that means is, you know, there's some window of, you know, less than a minute where if that machine just got vaporized, that would be the log information that you would lose. Um, so it's a pretty Super small interesting. window. Yeah, it's pre- Almost streaming the logs. Um, do you have it? I actually don't know how file change notifications work. Do they do they trigger every line that gets added or every character? Do you know? I, whenever whenever it's written to disk, right? So whenever you're okay. Um, so when it, whenever those those blocks on the disk change, right? You'll, there'll, there'll be a, a file system notification, so, and then it's up to whoever's subscribing to that, right, to do something about it. Right, but then the, the the how often it gets written to disk is sort of up to Docker, right? Because it's Docker that is um, where we've said make a file from standard out, and so it's the one that's got to be like, okay, save, 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 save. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it's that, and it's also your OS and like buffering um, and all that other. Um, so there's also the agent itself. Like you can configure it to say like how often should it actually look at that stuff and, and marshal it up and ship it over. Um, so there's, there's a whole bunch of way, just various different players here and different ways to tweak it. Sure. Uh, sorry to sorry you guys super deep on that, but I was just curious because it's like, uh, it, it's using a pretty sophisticated little feature of Unix to be able to essentially stream the log files off of the host. And I was like, Oh, huh. I wonder if it knows about every single line. I wonder if it knows about every 10, line or every character if it's every and then i was like if it's every character what happens if it ships a partial line so anyway all those questions occurred to me and that was me more the programmer in me than the software architect in me (laughs) right yeah yeah i mean i think it's it's safe to say that you're all like these we talked about this before like our log events are basically json objects and so at the very least um you know you have that as your 
as your atomic unit of, of what's being emitted. Uh, sure. De- definitely what's being emitted, right? Like, um, so in the, in the application code, it's definitely logging at least one event at a time. Um, and so, and then we do have like the, the ability to either we can redirect, we can, out, we're either outputting to a standard out standard error and redirecting that, or um, we can, sometimes we log straight to a file using our, our logging system. So most, most of our code is Node.js. And so we use things like Winston um, and Winston supports file system transports in addition to the console transport. Um, so in that case, it's not Docker doing it. It's just this whole like, how Winston is doing its buffering and, and yeah. writing how often it's writing to disk and the volume mount and um, what the OS is doing and, and whatnot. Super interesting. Well, I think that that's a pretty good place to stop because we've got the logs over to Rollbar. Um, and then next week we can, we can go Sumo into logic. Those. I'm sorry. Sumo logic. Rollbar is another logging service we use for the front end for those listening. Um, okay, great. We'll, we'll continue where we left off next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Thanks, Chris. See ya. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at mobicast.fm forward slash 31. If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you, and we'll see you again next week.